0: You know, we're almost to the end of the year and a lot has happened in our city. But before we ring in 2024, we want to take a moment to reflect. So today on CityCast Portland, producers John Atariani and Giulia Fioglioni are joining me to remember the best and worst of the past 12 months, from notable local headlines to new bars and restaurants and everything in between. It's Thursday, December 21st. I'm Claudia Meza, and this is what Portland's talking about. Man, John, Julia, we did it. We, we made it to the end of the year. It's happening. Woo,
1: we got here.
2: We
0: did it. <laughs> Whenever we do any of these kinds of, you know, retrospections where we're just like the best of, I literally can't think of one thing. Like, it always happens I have to go back and be like, what happened this year? Because all I can think of is, like, what happened five minutes ago.
1: Totally. I I scrolled back through our calendar over the course of the year and looking at some of the stuff in January and February, it's like, we talked about that? (laughs) Like, that (laughs) happened? (laughs) Like, what? (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Totally.
0: I guess that's a caveat. Um, if we miss something huge, we definitely want to hear from you and remind us. was um, <laughs> just like, remember when Portland became Beaverton? We're just like, did we miss
1: that? <laughs> forgot about that alien invasion that happened in <laughs> yeah.
0: But before we go into it, I was wondering, what was something new that you guys tried this year? Like, it could be Portland related or it could just be like, you know, I started doing
2: yoga, which, you know, props. So I've always wanted to do this, but... For the first time ever, I tried backpacking and I did an overnight two-day, one-night trip in the Gifford Pinchot National Forest in Washington. Mm -hmm. It was a spot just about a two-hour drive northeast of Portland. Tons of hiking trails, dozens of little like meadows and lakes. It was really special and I'll definitely be doing it again, but very much like a Portland activity, but I'd never done it before, so... A highlight of my year. That's so cool, John. Have you gone backpacking?
1: I have. Yeah, I've gone backpacking and before. I've never gone. The hardest part for me is food. It's hard to like figure out how to feed myself for three days. For me, I uh, this is like something that actually got thrown into me because of the podcast. Uh, I actually made it out to wine country. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's your. You're like it was so hard. <laughs>
0: Julie's like, I did this like life changing <laughs> test about my own st- inner strength. And you're like, I tasted wine outside.
1: <laughs> we had a whole thing on the show about how I hadn't gone wine tasting. So I was like, fine, I gotta do this. And like, yeah, speaking of like roughing it, I went out to uh, Abbey Road Farm and while I was there, I like had some wine, but I also had like potato chips and caviar. Oh, yum. <laughs> while, Like Sitting out looking over the whole, like wine country. Oh, it was so great. Beautiful. I had like freeze
2: dry food and bags for (laughs) which is better than you think it'd be but
0: anyway i do want to give you this john because this is the same show where it was discovered i never went to the rose test garden and guess what still haven't gone so you did 2024 i know i was oh my god something new i tried this year was not doing the thing i said i was going to do which is uh go to the rose test garden but i will i will in 2024 you're gonna i'm gonna be there like every weekend
2: Testing roses. I don't know what they do. You're going to be a regular.
0: <laughs> They're like, oh no, here she comes again. So, one thing I have tried this year, though, that I've been kind of working up to is I actually went out mushroom hunting mm-hmm. successfully because I have in the past tried to go mushroom hunting and just not found anything cool or understood how you're supposed to do it It really is just like a nerdy pastime of like, look, look at this weird mushroom I found. Let's see what it is. Oh, wow. This is deadly. You know, it's just like a fun look at, look at here, you know, activity. Uh, I did find some edible mushrooms, but I'm like too baby to be like, you know, I'm like, I'm not going to do it.
1: That's like halfway in between me and Julia's actually. It's like a little bit outdoorsy, a little bit bougie. (laughs) It's like right in the middle.
0: Is it bougie to go mushroom hunting?
1: I think it's a little bougie. Yeah.
0: Oh my God. We're going to, I love this. I am so glad you said this, John, because we're going to get so many like mushroom hunters being like, Excuse me, John Atariani. And I'm just going to forward you every email. I'm just going to be like,
1: Mushroom mushroom hunters, (laughs) tell me all about it. And when you do email me, tell me your spots.
0: That's
2: how you reel them in.
0: (laughs) yeah, Yeah. Okay. Thanks, guys seems like we all accomplished a lot this year. <laughs> now the next one that I, w- I was wondering we could decide on is like what each of us thought was like the biggest headline or the most notable headline uh, of the year, of course, city related. Does somebody want to go first?
1: Yeah, I can go first. I mean, I think that like the story that just kept coming up in new ways this year was about housing.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I think this kind of got kicked in last year when Rene Gonzalez and Tina Kotek got voted into office. But like in between what's been happening at a state level with the governor's mandates to like boost production like crazy and then pushing some bills through the legislature that are going to, you know, help try and prevent homelessness and fund new housing at like hundreds of millions of dollars worth. And then at a city level, it's been all about uh, unhoused people and bans on unsanctioned camping, uh, which they said there was going to be a camping ban. The policy was voted in in June, went into effect in July, but they weren't enforcing it. And they said that enforcement was going to start in November, but then a judge freezed that, and it's still sort of ongoing. All that aside of Wheeler's giant uh, tent camping sites. Um, He had said... Initially, that he was hoping to have six sites open by 2024. At this point, we have one site open, the Clinton Triangle site. And in October, they announced another one that they're intending to start up near St. John's hasn't come online yet. But yeah, I mean, just like back and forth of like all of these issues, trying to figure out how to house people. And it's going to be an issue going into next year as well, because the governor has said that it's going to be one of her main legislative priorities in 2024, hoping to spend even more hundreds of millions of dollars on housing production.
2: Yeah. um, I think this is probably a question for Both of you or either of you, being that you've both lived in Portland for quite some time, do you ever think that the camping ban will ever truly be put in place? Or is it going to be one of those things that will continue to just get thrown around and and not implemented on a serious level?
0: I think it depends. I think if the other components of housing solutions kick in, it may not. I really do feel like this was a, a lot of like mayor Wheeler being look we're doing something mm. you know um but knowing full well we didn't have the resources to implement the actual laws but they may just be implemented in areas where uh people have more let's just say uh liquid Money. asset power <laughs> You know, Uh, that's what that's my. I feel like if it it does get implemented, Julia, to answer your question, I feel like if it does get implemented, it's only going to get implemented in places where, you know, people like the rich and powerful
2: live. Yeah. So still selective. They're not going to
0: send cops to like my neighborhood for some reason if, you know, Mm. some stuff is happening. I just don't
2: see it. Yeah, totally. Well, Julia, what was your headline? Okay. So my headline, another one of those that just kept popping up in the news. Oregon voters passed Measure 110 in November of 2021, and not only decriminalized possession of small amounts of certain street drugs, but also created a pathway for addiction treatment and recovery programs funded partially by the state's marijuana tax revenue. But although it was put into effect in February of 2021, it's continued to just pop up in the headlines a ton this year, so I wanted to reflect on certain aspects of the developments. On that front, one being a few months ago in September, the first Portland area detox center funded by Measure 110 opened in Southeast by an organization called Recovery Works. And they had hoped to serve around 1,200 people a year and they seem to be on track with that, which is really awesome. But uh, most notably, it's also the first drug withdrawal center in the Portland metro area to focus on fentanyl addiction specifically. But the second part of what's continued to be in the headlines uh, and why I wanted to talk about it was the continued public criticism over rollout-related roadblocks and also just a lack of access to crucial drug treatment generally, especially in the shadow of the ongoing fentanyl crisis and related increases in overdoses over the past year. So much so, there is a growing list of public figures advocating to repeal the measure in the new year, and they've already filed ballot initiatives that could allow voters to overturn it in 2024. Legislators are gathering information and public comment in the meantime, aimed at making changes to the measure um, in the next year's short legislative session. We talked about this a bit in an episode a few weeks ago, but people are showing up and submitting testimony like in the hundreds. I know I just threw a lot at both of you, but how are you both feeling about Measure 110 going into the new year? What do you think will be the turnout with this?
1: I mean... I think it needs to be revised. I think the way that it is being implemented right now is clearly not working. But I do sort of worry about throwing the baby out with the bathwater and the possibility that we could just completely scrap it and go back to what we had before, which was a drug enforcement system that incarcerated people and was really racist and like didn't actually help people get clean either. My hunch is that these ballot initiative drives aren't real, that it's sort of just like a tool to put pressure on the legislature to reform the law in some way, but... Who knows?
0: I just wanted to say, John, that whenever I hear someone say "throw the baby out with the bathwater," I immediately start spiraling, wondering what the first instance was that someone decided to do <laughs> I've never heard that phrase <laughs> before. Do you know what in I mean? it, I'm always just like, "What poor baby <laughs> had to fucking be thrown out of with the bathwater for someone to go?" You know what? We shouldn't do that. I
2: <laughs> got
0: so distracted by that phrase. <laughs> yeah, no, I kind of agree with John in so many ways. I think what we're all feeling. This was not implemented correctly. But I also think that in order for it to be implemented correctly, we have to get our police force on the same on the same ground of what this law is because they think it's a very different law than everybody else <laughs> you know like mm-hmm. as they've been telling everyone as they, as they've been sharing their perceptions of what this law means in regards to their job and so i feel like all the uh, suggestions of where we where we we're, we're supposed to change this law i'm like 100% on there's not been something suggested where i'm like well that's the terrible idea i'm like yeah people should not be allowed legally to do for drugs in public mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff that is illegal like we're no one's having sex in public do you know what i mean like there's mm-hmm. things that you're like yeah that's not illegal but like we all know don't do that in public mm-hmm. like there's children mm-hmm. <laughs> we live in a society
2: <laughs> <laughs> like i just
0: want <laughs> but yeah no i agree i i really do feel like i'm glad that people are pushing this even if it's for the extremes of you know completely getting
1: rid of the law i'm glad it's happening i mean i guess i i do still just fear And this has nothing to do with Measure 110 or about drug addiction, really. But I fear this being used as a wedge issue for people who have really conservative politics to sort of find their way into city government and campaign on people's fears and, you know, leave us with a less tolerant, like more authoritarian local government, you know? I think that we forget how close we were to having a Republican governor, you know? And and if we go too far in electing officials that talks, strong about tough on crime but like don't share the values that Portland celebrates we could end up in a really different place in a couple years
0: yeah agreed that is definitely something to be cognizant of going forward especially during our mayoral race
1: your vote matters damn it
0: (laughs) damn it I'm like we live in a society and John's like your vote matters slogan We're, we're gonna find your slogan Julia Mine was a little more undercover in a sense of, I, I don't think it was like this huge headline, but for me, it was a huge headline because it, it has a lot of implications moving forward to the new year. And also to me, it shed some light on the mayoral race, which is going to be also a pretty big deal. It was just peabot, Just peabot, Just. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's fair. Everything from uh, its $32 million general revenue shortfall for the next year, which is we're going to see a lot of shakeout from that, down to how Director Millicent Williams and Commissioner in Charge Mingus Maps were coming under repeated fire for their handling of some of our city's bike lanes, either undercover, you know, making them less safe, or totally, like, just changing something that was perfectly fine because they didn't go through the proper channels of alerting their neighbors that hey this was gonna happen. So like everything it just seemed like a peabot shit show in a way <laughs> that just really like stuck out to me. But not only that, I think the reason also I learned so much about it is because of the amazing reporting coming up from uh, Bike Portland and uh, specifically Jonathan Moss. Yeah. Uh, so I just big ups to his reporting. But if you're just like, what is she talking about? So much. Just like Google Peabot in 2023 and just sit down with some popcorn. Like it's it's a
1: ride. I mean, and I think, you know, talking about Peabot can feel like a boring bureaucratic thing, but it's like, no, this is like the department that builds and maintains the roads and services that we need to get around every day, you know. I mean, and again, aside Peabot, like everything that happened at ODOT this year, you know, it's been a bad year for bots and dots because <laughs> uh, there were all these giant projects that ODOT was going to be trying to launch that basically just like went nowhere uh, because of political infighting as well. Uh, the I-5 bridge, eh, that'll happen sometime in the future, maybe, but like probably not. Uh, tolling pushed down the road. The Rose Quarter expansion pushed down the road. So yeah.
0: All right, well, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, more on what happened in 2023. Well, I feel like we're we all got a little hot under the collar here, um, <laughs> reliving some political traumas here. Yeah. <laughs> what? What? Here, let's do it. You know what? I'm like, now let's do a silly one. Let's do a fun one what were your best new bars slash restaurants of the year? We had a lot of wonderful new openings, new spots. It doesn't have to be like it opened last year, but like that you discovered and we're so stoked to discover. Uh, Does anybody want to go first?
2: I can jump in. I spoke about this place during our coziest bars episode, and it's been only a month and a half since they've been open, but it's Dear Sandy on Northeast 28th and Sandy. They're a Fabulous coffee bar during the day and a cocktail hangout at night. Right now, one of my favorite drinks is called a slightly more complicated bitch, which is a mocktail, actually. And it's persimmon and lemon and they have a cocktail version of it made with vodka. Both are solid. If you haven't gone yet, they have something for everyone. But... Uh, To mention a new spot, one of my favorite restaurants that opened also not too long ago in the same neighborhood off of 28th and Burnside is Grana Pizza Napolitana. They opened up back in October, and they're known for their folded pizzas, which are 10-inch pizzas folded two ways into like a little triangle. And this spot I was a little skeptical of at first because it seemed kind of gimmicky, but I've gone back so many times, and I've gotten roped in – the convenience aspect of it because I'll be running late to something, walking to where I'm going, and I'll just drop in and grab one and eat it while I'm walking, and the pizzas are just solid, even to go for dinner to get the regular pizza options are very tasty. Nice. Yeah, I've heard about Grana. You sent me a picture. I remember the first one that you,
0: the first slice you bought, yeah. and it looked really good.
1: I am a big fan of a walking pizza, so I want to check that out <laughs> yeah. too. The restaurant that I wanted to talk about was Jeju, um, which is the new spot by Peter Cho, the guy behind Han Oak and Toki, opened in June. I went there this summer, and like they are focused on whole animal butchery, you know? So you get this sort of Somme-style spread of all these different meats, but like for a restaurant that was so focused on like the way that it's preparing its meat it it was a mostly vegetable forward affair i just thought it was like really really well done and i i really loved it and like i feel especially poignant about it because we were all going to go as a team mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago but then everybody got sick and we had to cancel our reservations <laughs> i do really want to check that place
2: out though i have not gone at all and you're really selling it to me john yeah
1: for real so i love that spot uh, my favorite new bar is dream house dream house in the old uh beach street parlor location opened by some people behind poor and brass tacks it's like a house bar so like you go in and you're in the living room but then there's some rooms upstairs Really super cozy place. They have like DJs almost seven nights a week, but like playing just like really interesting atmospheric music a lot of the time. Just a really like wonderful, cozy cool, not super fancy, but like very nicely done place.
0: John, as I know that you loved Beach Street, which was the bar that was there before, how does it compare to you? Does it still have those Beach Street vibes? Because I mean, part of that was the fact that it was in a house and it felt like you were in a nice house, like how does it compare?
1: It feels really similar, you know? I wouldn't say that it's like exactly the same. There's been like a couple of vibe tweaks. Like I think the food is better now, like no mm. shade on Beach Street, but like they're really doing some great stuff in that kitchen. I think that if you if you went to Beach Street Parlor and you liked it, you will not at all be disappointed. Nice.
0: Mine is a little interesting because I think if you've listened to this show more than once, you might know that I, I live in St. John's and that I love neighborhood spots. And I basically got a new one this year and I'm really excited about it. It's become it's becoming like a slow like Sunday tradition where we my partner and I wrap up our week there and sort of prepare for what's coming. And it's this place called Mosaic Tap House. It's just beer, sake and wine, no cocktails, but they share a kitchen with this Vietnamese street food place and they're just making some of the most fun dishes to eat with beer. Oh, <laughs> if you guys remember, you may not, Julia, but there was this place called Pock Pock, and they had these like really famous, people love these fish sauce chicken wings. Mm-hmm. Yum. They're doing something similar except they're making it with fried chickens because I feel like if I could, I don't remember the Pock Pock wings like it was yesterday because it was so long ago, but I feel like they didn't bread the skin. Mm. I thought it was just like. Like crispy skin, but yeah. but what they're doing here, they're doing like a really crispy, like almost like Korean style fried chicken. But then they put this intoxicating fish sauce on it. It's so spicy, it's so sweet, it's so savory, and then they give you some daikon kimchi, you know, to go with it. And it's just oof, that was a like they have this Filipino uh, like light beer. It's like the perfect match. It's just amazing.
1: That is a big claim. The the heir to the pock pock wing <laughs> is back. <laughs> People have got feelings, man. There is going to be.
0: I want people to go and tell me. What do you think? Yeah, I want to go.
1: Oh my gosh. I am. I'm convinced. All right. That just went to the top of my list.
0: But not only that, it feels like already all the regulars that I would normally see, like at the Garrison or Slim's or the wine shop, I see them there too. And we're just, we've just expanded our sprawl. And I love that.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I live not far from there. And like every time I go by, that place is busy, which is just so exciting for a new business. To just come out the door swinging and, like, be full.
0: Well, I want to hear other people's uh, best new bars, restaurants of the year that they discovered this year. But also, next one I wanted to talk to you guys about was, like, the most fun thing that you did in Portland. Like, the most fun, notable event. Do
1: you guys have any any contenders? Yeah, I, I can jump right in on that. I mean, I think the thing when I look back at my year that really sticks out to me was the last night at the Doug Fur. Uh, In September, legendary venue, you know, is moving to a new spot, not too far away, but it is sort of the end of the era in this building at the Jupiter Hotel. Uh, And I got tickets to go to the last show there, which was your old Thomas, who's just like so much fun live. And it was just i don't know one of those times where you could just sort of feel the energy in the room that like people were excited but they were sad uh at the same time and like feeling sort of nostalgic um, and it was packed and it was loud and you could sort of feel like once the music ended everybody was a little bit hesitant to go back up the stairs because they all knew it was going to be the last time they were doing it it was uh super memorable
2: oh that's sweet yeah
0: what about you julia what what was your most notable event
2: Yeah, my favorite event of the year was the Louie Louie 24-hour marathon, which celebrated the 60th anniversary of the infamous rock song Louie Louie, which we have a whole episode about, but I'll give a little recap for our listeners who don't know what I'm talking about. So in October of 1963, five Portland teenagers recorded one of the most important songs in all of rock history um, in this shitty little recording studio. And... Today, it's known as the Kingsman's version of Richard Berry's Louie Louis," And it was so unlike anything else that the FBI got involved and investigated the band at one point. So back in October of this year, over 75 Portland artists got together to play Louie Louis" nonstop for 24 hours at an art gallery in the Central East Side. And I remember I dropped in on the way home from a concert that I had gone to. So it was already pretty late. It was like past midnight. And I walked into one of the most wild, and wacky and wonderful scenes that i'd seen in portland since i've moved here and it was just so wonderful i really couldn't stay longer than half an hour because i started to feel really crazy after a while just hearing this song <laughs>
0: over <laughs> and <laughs> <just laughs> <half> an over <hour, laughs> hearing the song over and over
1: <laughs> but it was just like a fever dream it was so ridiculous that's so funny i must have just missed you there because oh. i was there too i was there like around 11 and it was definitely you could tell that it was just like starting to go off the rails yeah, a little
2: bit that's- <laughs> i <laughs> And was it really loud in there for you
1: too, John? Oh, it was It was so like, loud. Piercing. And like listening to the same song over and over again, just like made me feel like I was going crazy in kind of a delightful way.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. The whole point of this marathon was that, of course, you're, they're going to play Louie Louie over and over again, but it was like different interpretations. Like who was playing what, what instruments, like what were the interpretations that you
1: guys walked into? A, a lot of just like sort of Rocky Garage versions of oh, it, gotcha. but I did, but I did did see the asmr Louie louis oh. which was really it was really hypnotizing it was so good it almost like reminded me of grouper you know <laughs> she sort of had this like floating like lilting voice it was it was <laughs> extraordinary oh my god
0: that's exactly when people are just like, what does Grouper sound like? I'm like, imagine someone doing ASMR to the song Louie Louie. <laughs> Basically, Grouper, it's pretty much Grouper. You're listening to her right now. Uh, that's that's amazing. Well, the the one event that I think I'll be thinking about that to me, but this was like my 2023, was Dragathon. Of course. Uh, if you, you guys don't remember Portland, hosted a uh, over 24 hour almost 30 something hour uh drag uh performance and we did it like we won the guinness world record for it now portland holds that record which is amazing but what was so special about it was that it took place at Darcell's and you know Darcell passed away this march and it felt like a huge celebration for drag performance in portland and just to see Poison waters up there. Take that throne, in a sense, and just everyone. Just it, it, it took so much effort, and they, they like really wrangled some kind of big names to host. You know, people from Saturday Night Live were there, and like really well-known comedians. So it was just wonderful to to be in this like space, sharing you know this joy of drag, and yeah. It was that kind of night where, like, nobody wanted to leave. Yeah. Like, after your shift, everybody just wanted to hang out and just be like, oh, I want to see all the performances. And the performances, oh, my God, they were amazing.
1: No, it was it was delightful to see how much Portland sort of rallied around that. And, like, the Mercury sort of had a running live blog of everything that was happening. And sort of, like, watching the reporters become more and more delirious <laughs> as they like, got into the yeah. wee hours of the night was really delightful as well. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, I um, challenged someone because we have like four minutes and I challenged someone to an arm wrestling match and I won and it was a big deal. I mean, this might have almost made my like most notable Portland news headline, but Portland Mercury got it wrong and reported (laughs) that I lost. And I just remember feeling like, oh, this is how politicians feel. You know what I mean? Like I was like, oh, this is, I get it now. The media, you know, I was like the media.
1: Fake news. Can't
0: trust them. Well, wrap up question. What are you guys planning on doing next year? Like, is there something new that you've decided, like, this is going to be it? Like, 2024, I'm, blah, you know? I'm rinsing my rice, which, by the way, everyone should.
1: (laughs) I'm going to go back to something that I did a long time ago, which is crack in the ground, uh, which is my favorite feature in Central Oregon that I haven't been to in many years. Do you guys know about crack in the ground? Oh, I've
2: heard about this. No, but... I
0: just want to point out that in the notes that we had, John just wrote crack. And I was
2: so (laughs) confused because I was like, he's going to try crack. Hasn't done it in a long time.
1: (laughs) Crack in the ground, baby. Crack in the ground.
2: What is crack in the
0: ground?
1: Crack in the ground is like it's like two hours southeast of Bend, and it's it's basically like a slot canyon. It's like uh, this fracture in the ground, and it's just what it sounds like. You're sort of in this high desert, and then there's this place that you can get down into it and you can just explore for miles. Um, It gets like 70 feet high in some areas. It is like the closest I've gotten to like feeling like I'm on the moon. You're in a landscape and then you're just in a completely different environment. Some areas of it you sort of just feel like you're in a walk in a little canyon. Some areas are really kind of scrambly. It's super cool.
0: Is this like we have the Grand Canyon at home? You
1: know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly <yeah>. okay <laughs> okay cool not quite so grand canyon but like okay. it's, it's delightful it's it's really really cool i recommend it
0: i just imagine like mom i want to go to the grand canyon we have crack in the ground at home <laughs> do you have grand canyon money
1: and i love that it's called crack in the ground yeah, you know? Know. when somebody exactly. told me about it they're like you got to go to the crack in the ground i'm like what is it they're like it's a crack in the ground <laughs> i was like i didn't believe them and i showed up and i was like yeah, that's a crack in the ground.
2: <laughs> cool. I want to check that out. Thanks, John. What about you, Julia? I also have my sights set on an outdoorsy destination for next year. Hopefully in the wintertime, I really want to go check out some Oregon or even Washington hot springs. It's something I've never done before, period. And I've heard they're super beautiful out here. So I have no plan on how I'm going to make it happen, but I'm hoping that I can pull it off.
0: You know, I hear, Julia, especially to do it uh, during the winter is really awesome. Yeah. Because of the steam and you get to go out and experience these like two extremes. Totally. Well, mine, aside from the rose test garden, as we've <laughs> discussed, is Clammon and Crabbin. And for those listening to the show might have... Remember that Leaf Gildersleeve from Flying Fish came on and and kind of instructed us how we could you know how one would go about clamming and crabbing in, in Oregon. And yeah, it's it's. I'm really excited. I also wanted to go oystering, but he let me know that we don't do that here in Oregon. <laughs> There's no wild oysters. I'd have to go to Washington. So hey, maybe I'll do that
1: too. I love that all of us are just looking at like outdoor adventures. I feel mm-hmm. like, you know, for all the time that we spend sitting in front of microphones, working at computers, like 2024 for us is like, let's get outside. Let's go see what's going on in Oregon beyond our little home studios. It's super cool.
0: Yeah. I think you nailed it, John. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> (laughs) Yeah, Guys, thanks so much for hanging out. I'm really looking forward to 2024, talking more news, talking more places to eat, talking more things to do with y'all. And for everyone listening, thank you so much for making us part of your routine uh, this year. And hopefully we'll see more of you as well in
1: 2024. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, guys. Thanks for a great year.
0: Well, that's all for today here on CityCast Portland. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more from around the city. Until then, see you at Slims.